Welcome to the Worst of All Possible Worlds, the first and only podcast to take it down a notch. I'm the Worst of All Possible AJs. <laughs> I'm the Worst of All Possible Brian's. And I'm the Worst of All Possible Josh's. And this week, uh, this was one that AJ has been wanting to do for a while. And so, yeah, fall is in the air. Wow. The leaves are changing. Wow. The air. Oh, it's so the, the, crisp The leaves are changing the air. They do. Yeah, they release gases. Yeah. Mm. You know, New York's infrastructure is collapsing because it yes. rained a little too hard. That's so right. That's the right. water is changing the air. <laughs> so I, I thought it might be nice, to, uh, you know, to take a breather from the horrors of the world and particularly the horrors of all the other children's entertainment that we cover <laughs> on this podcast and cover something Good? This sounds personal, AJ. I don't know. So uh, we're taking a little trip into the unknown with uh, one of my favorite animated series of all time, Over the Garden Wall, which came out in 2014 and was created by Patrick McHale. The sort of high bar for me for children's entertainment is those videos where uh, a Spider-Man uh, 3D model uh, goes down the 3D tube and runs into Mr. Beast and the Hulk and... Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the squid game guy and so yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I judge everything by that high watermark. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. Odyssey so, fallen very below that. Watermark. Oh, just deeply, deeply. There's so. Spider-Man in Odyssey. I, I, yeah. I need a Eugene Meltzner ragdoll to get hit by Spider-Man. <laughs> Mr. Down Mark the of the Beast. Is this? A, no, that's <laughs> not anything. Um, No, it certainly is. OK. Right, Mr. Mark of the Beast is the apocalypse. Yeah, AJ is doing a mustache twirling motion, but he's doing it on his forehead. Yeah, no kidding. Can you keep going? Yes, like, yes, let me duff my cap to you. Oh, what's under my cap? Dragons. He's the twirling the, the cap as well as he's doffing it. Okay. Mm. No, this is good. This is good. I like we to can twirl work and this. doff at the same time myself, so I get it. <laughs> I'm always twirling and doffing. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I had watched, I think, a couple episodes of this, like the first couple episodes a while back. It was fun, but I wouldn't say that it exactly grabbed me either. It was more just like a for children's animation. You know, this is a lot more sophisticated than a lot of what I had seen before. And yeah, it's very elegant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was interesting to me in that regard. But again, it didn't really grab me either. It was just more like, oh, this is this is fun. This is cute. It, it seems to be aiming for something that's a little higher than what most of this shit seems to be trying for. Well, this was the last year that I was living in Michigan. Oh, you watched it when it came out. My my roommate was a filmmaker and was really fascinated with animation and Wes Anderson and Wes Anderson's animation and really liked Adventure Time. And I think this this has some of the same people as Adventure Time. It captures sort of a similar look, I think, in the faces of the characters and everything. And it became an obsession for him. As someone who had a lot of obsessions, this became... Uh, a, a paramount obsession over so many of the other ones. Mm. Uh, so I actually saw it quite a bit. Like how many times? Oh, I, I really couldn't tell you. And I mean, it would be like he was watching it all the time. Sure. So I would walk into the living room and see part of it and go out and see part of it again um, after seeing it all the way through the first time. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't know how many times I've seen it as far as like seeing it all the way through probably four times. Not, not a ton. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a breezy watch. You know, it, it is it's 10 episodes. They're all about 11 minutes apiece. Yeah. And uh, 
you can tell they're 11 minutes because the credits go so fast you can't read them because they yeah. just <laughs> there's so little real estate in yeah, this thing. Yeah, it uses this thing that is either a unique thing to Cartoon Network or is something that that was unique to them when they started doing it, which is quarter hour episodes of TV. Yeah. Right. Like when we were kids and we were watching 90s era cartoons, they would usually be made up of like three shorts total, but it was still one program. Yeah. Um, but then by the time you get to stuff like Adult Swim, everything they had, Space Ghost, Coast to Coast, that kind of stuff was all quarter hours. Right. Yeah. Their first half hour show was Venture Brothers. And then they had a few more from there. And so this was done as 10 quarter hour shows or because of commercials, 11 minutes long. It was their first mini series as well. Uh, for my money, I encountered this thing in 2016, and I remember that because it was midway through Brian and I's first collaboration that we'd ever done, which was an adaptation of Dante's Inferno called Bibi's right, Inferno right, right. Yeah. that I wrote and Brian dramaturged and sort of uh, midwifed into the world. Mostly and- I just read the script and was like, it's good. <laughs> like, yeah. Stop, stop yeah, worrying about that's it. That's what AJ was telling me last <laughs> night. It was like, it was this really involved process where it's like, this doesn't sound very involved at all. Yeah. <laughs> I know, well, this was, was such a funny thing because I never even it was a serialized show. You did it yeah. in nine installments, right? Yes. One for each circle. And this was at a theater that we will never name on this podcast. Yes. No, right? And then and then we did the finale at a theater we can name on the podcast, which was the People's Improv Theater in a yeah. in the Striker Theater, which no longer exists. Yes. It which is, is also where Puffs started right, that way is, back yes. in the day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, for all you Puffs heads listening to us. I know you're out there. I almost saw none of your shows like I got to read the scripts and I was like it's cool but I was working on a different escape room at the time (laughs) right 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 yeah life is just a series of escape rooms but (laughs) damn really makes you think that's a (laughs) t-shirt that's a t-shirt yeah did you come across this because i don't think did i recommend this no okay so what happened was i first watched this with my friends sam and will because we had heard really good things i think the av club gave it like an a right and said this is like one of the definitive animated series of our time and so my the three of us sat down to watch this thing we're like oh maybe it'll be good and it's 10 episodes long it's just like oh we'll watch the first three and then we'll be done and then we get episode three it's like maybe the next one Maybe yeah. the next one. And by the end, we're like in the fetal position, like sobbing violently <laughs> into each other. And it's actually become a tradition for uh, the three of us to watch this every fall separately. But we text each other that we're mm. watching it. And it's it's become this very wonderful October tradition. But the thing that I that really struck me about watching this for the first time was that we were knee deep in uh, in. I was knee deep in adapting the Inferno. Yeah. And I watched this thing. There's a line where. Where one of the pumpkin folk that we'll meet a little bit later says to our protagonist, oh, you're not supposed to be here yet. And I went, oh, wait, holy shit. Is this the Inferno? And then over the course of the next few episodes, I was like, oh, it lines up perfectly with the Inferno. So this surely must have been the intention. No, there is not a single interview with any of the creators of the show that never once mentions Dante's Inferno, which is wild to me because it (laughs) is so one to one that you think they'd be like, oh, we were inspired by different afterlives, you know, the Greek and obviously Dante and like Paradise Lost, but they don't mention it at all. So I have uh, some information here. There is a book called The Art of Over the Garden Wall. Yeah, it goes over the pitch document. Yeah. Um, And the whole thing is on the Internet Archive. So you can look at it 
anytime. Peep that link in the notes. So the story of Over the Garden Wall begins with this guy named Patrick McHale, a man who, like, I think the three of us on this podcast looks like if a scarecrow was magically granted life. I don't look like I, that. What? Yeah, I think so. No, I, mean, I don't. Come on. Yeah, yeah, all three of us could play a really mean scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> the scarecrow's nice. It's the apple trees that are mean. Yeah, well, I'm not saying they're mean. I'm not saying you're, you're mean. Just saying it's just saying we mean? look. Like, no, no, no. What are you talking about? The scarecrow is great. You're the one calling me a scarecrow. No, no, no. Scarecrows are fun. What are, I think. What? I think we all know that if we were to map us over to the Wizard of Oz, okay. AJ, you would be the scarecrow. Okay. Brian, you would be the Tin Man. I would unfortunately be the cowardly lion. That's just how it is. So so now you're saying I'm heartless. Josh. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so Patrick McHale was born. Uh, no, I'd be the Tin Man and you'd be the lion, Brian. That's the yeah, truth. Yeah, because of it. I'm oh. I'm more scared of things than you well, you've are. You've got that beautiful mane too. That's true. I disagree. We're all scarecrows. I just I I, I this is this is the hill I'm I will die on. Apparently, I'm Dorothy. You're just a pasty <laughs> hag on a deathbed. <laughs> And I'm, a fr- and I'm a friend of Dorothy's. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Uh, so Patrick McHale was born in New Jersey in 1983, and he quickly fell in love with animated shorts from the 1920s, particularly Windsor McKay's The Flying House, mm-hmm. which you can watch on YouTube. It's a delight. Yeah. Frankly, it's a silent film, but the DNA from that short, you can feel coursing through over the garden wall. Yeah. Like, Do you guys know who Windsor McKay is? I didn't like before, larger sense? before this episode. So he's kind of he's the father of of comics, really modern comics as we know them and of animation. Uh, His famous comic was Little Nemo's Adventures in Slumberland. Right. Which was adapted into a film which was adapted into an absolutely horrific 80s anime. Yeah. Like Ray Bradbury and also briefly Hayao Miyazaki worked on. It's goddamn garbage. And it gave me horrible nightmares as a child. It also gave me horrible nightmares. And it was difficult convincing other people that the film existed when I was a kid. Yes. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. (laughs) But Windsor McKay was also. Yeah. He he did hand-drawn animation all the way back in the 1900s the first decade of the 20th century Holy um, shit. and he would do it as part of his live stage show he had this dinosaur character that he could interact with standing on the stage and this little animatic would appear fascinating stuff i mean he developed all kinds of techniques that were then later throughout the w- thrown out the window because they were uh, ridiculous and it was better to work with transparencies on backgrounds than to hand draw everything again but I'm right. seeing his, his animation is beautiful. Yeah. This was this was all with a Vitagraph, right? Yes. Cool. Yes. Yeah. It's it, it really is like there's such an energy to it because mm-hmm. it is so different than any of the animation that we have today. Uh, and and we'll talk about this a little bit more when we when we hit episode eight. But mm-hmm. like the, uh, the early days of animation were just them throwing shit at a wall and trying to figure out how to make things move. So things just yeah. look like incredibly strange when they yeah. move. AJ and I saw Hexen, which we'll be talking about next month for fancy movie time, which has some stop motion animation. Uh, Ah, the classic id software game hexen <laughs> yes indeed uh <laughs> but that's a movie from 1922 and it has not a ton of animation but it does have some and it's really really interesting to watch um yeah. at this time we were like you said aj we were throwing everything at the wall there were um shadow puppet animations that were being made there there were animated f- 
films that were being made where someone just took actual dead bugs and like moved their legs and stuff around and put them in suits. Made oh, a little wow. dance. Made a little dance. <laughs> oh, that that seems cruel <laughs> to the bugs, but they're dead. They're dead. They're dead. I guess sure. But did they kill them for it? Are they snuff films? We'll oh, never for know. Sure. Yeah. No. Yeah. If you ever look up how entomology works, it's not fun. Oh nice. boy. So uh, Patrick McHale yes. had a fascination with this early animation. Yes, and he also had a fascination yeah. with opera, which again would it courses throughout all over the garden wall. Especially the but casting. He yeah. went to Cal Arts in 2002, where he would meet many of the animators that would go on to shape the current animation landscape. We're talking yeah. Pendleton Ward, who made Adventure Time. We're talking Alex Hirsch, the creator of Gravity Falls, and JG Quintel, who is the creator of Regular Show. Cal Arts is, of course, the university that Walt Disney founded. This particular class of CalArts basically shapes children's animation in the 2010s, right? There was a show called uh, The Marvelous Misadventures of Flapjack that Mm -hmm. pretty much everyone that has a show on Cartoon Network worked on in some capacity, and all the shows that sort of derive from it are called like the Flapjack Descendants, right? It was this sort of epicenter of a show and flapjack is a fun show it, it, it uses a lot of really interesting and cool like cutout animation styles but uh, a yeah, very it, distinctive look to it and lots and lots of teeth so so many <laughs> teeth but la like it does to most people really bummed the fuck out of mikhail he decided to fly back uh to concord massachusetts in order to go on uh Uh, ghost trips he wanted to go on ghost tours of houses and things it's very funny aj because your adaptation of the inferno was built all around concord new hampshire that that is but the tip of the iceberg of how weird the parallels get here (laughs) so he gets this idea while he's in concord and surrounded by ghosts to make this thing called tome of the unknown so Cartoon Network asks him if he has any pitches for them, and he pitches them two shows. He pitches them one called Space Planet, which is never eventually made. It was basically a space opera. And he also pitches Tome of the Unknown. It's going to be 18 episodes long. It's about two brothers, Wirt and Greg. Both alike in dignity. In Fair Verona, where we lay our scene. Absolutely. Yeah. I think Wirt is called Walton in this version. But anyway, it's two brothers who uh, accidentally board a train that takes them to Limbo, basically. A place called the In-Between. Yeah, well, the train is going to the afterlife, and they're like, wait, we don't want to do that so they jump off they jump yeah. off and they find themselves in the woods and they meet uh this man named old scratch who is literally satan yep. and he, he says he'll get them home if he can restore they can restore these pages of this book the tome of the unknown basically every single episode is them going into a new place and then uh picking up a new page from this tome so uh he tables that for a while he goes to work on flapjack he does a lot of work on adventure time and gets his reps in but eventually he is able to make a short pilot of Tome of the Unknown. It's got uh, Elijah Wood as worked at the pitch meeting for this. Mikhail basically shows this guy, Rob Sorcher, all the all the storyboards and things. He lays it out. He pitches the series. And Rob Sorcher says, I don't understand this. To which Mikhail said, it's going to be fine. It's not going to be terrible. Even if it's not great, it's going to be good. Sorcher's a really interesting guy. Another meeting, he said, I got pitched on something and it was five minutes of a kid talking to his hand. And I, I, I don't know what any of that is supposed to be, but I think Pat just might be a genius. Yeah. Um, Sorcher has an eye for talent that I think is, is really unique at the executive level in TV because he is also the guy responsible for AMC pivoting to original narrative programming. Oh, wow. He's really? the reason that Mad Men and Breaking Bad happened. 
I wish that more pitch meetings would go like that. Yeah. You know, where it was just it's the executive recognizes the talent and just kind of gets out of the way of the ongoing yeah. train. So speaking of trains, mm. uh, Tome <laughs> of the Unknown is made in 2013. Uh, it's the, the original pilot is available on YouTube in its entirety. It's an yep. absolute delight. And uh, Cartoon Network watches this thing and they send it off to a couple festivals. It's very well received. They sense a hit on their hands. So they commission Mikhail to do make a miniseries out of it. And they're like, do however many episodes you want. He's like, I want to do 18. And they said, here's your budget. And he's like, I want to do 10. Sure. <laughs> so they end up making uh, 10 of these episodes. There are some ideas that were cut from the final product, including some episodes about skinless witches mm. and a villain who carves dice from the bones of the children he kidnaps. Does seem a little dark for something pitched at like 10 to 12 year olds, though. In order to make this narrative work, Mikhail brings on Amalia Lavari and Tom Herpick, who are two Arts classmates of his to help shape the narrative and Nick Cross to lead the art direction of the series. Amalia Lavari herself brings on Blasting Company, which is an indie folk band to do the music. If you listen to the soundtrack to Over the Garden Wall, there's a bunch of songs in there that were for Tome of the Unknown that didn't make it into the final show. They kind of remind me of uh, this is probably making a, a comparison of something with a wider reach to something with a much narrower reach, but they remind me of Pigpen Theater Company. Quite a oh, bit. Oh, sure. Yeah, sort yeah, of those yeah. Folk stylings that they do, which congratulations to Pigpen on their upcoming Broadway show. Over the Garden Wall is released November 3rd to 7th, 2014, as a miniseries. Mm-hmm. Uh, they paired them two episodes at a time. So it's a week long, just like Monday, you get these two episodes, mm. Tuesday. Cartoon Network had done this previously with another miniseries, not one that they produced. Like you said, this was the first miniseries that they produced, mm. but they did this in the maybe 2000 or the very late 90s. With Blue Submarine number six. Okay. In anime. So it debuts over the course of November 3rd through the 7th. And I think a fun little Easter egg is that the moon that is in Over the Garden Wall, uh, and the animated moon is the exact moon that would have been in the real world from November 3rd to 7th. This show proves to be much better than Patrick McHale's initial like goal of it being good, mm-hmm. right? It it gets widespread yeah. critical acclaim except from the New York Times where Mike Hale says that the writing is perilously thin. Perilously? Perilously. <laughs> What's the peril? The show would go on to win two Emmys and the Rubin Award for Best Animated uh, series in 2015. Yep. Mm-hmm. Ain't that just the way? Do uh, uh, you know who the Rubin Award is named after? Noted Christian rapper John Rubin? Correct. Uh, no. <laughs> it is named after noted uh, Jewish cartoonist Rubin Goldberg mm. of the Rube Goldberg machine. Oh, okay. Oh, shit. Huh. Huh. I, that'd be cool if like the award itself was a Rube Goldberg machine. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get so, on it. One thing I was curious about, AJ, is you had earlier mentioned that the way that this, the development of this worked sort of paralleled the development of BB's Inferno. And I'm, yes. I'm curious what specifically that looks like. So when I initially pitched this idea to the theater company that we will never name on this podcast. Yes. <laughs> Basically, I had two ideas for what the series could be. There was one called BB's Inferno, which is what it ended up being. And I wrote an entirely separate pilot called the Infernal Baxter Sisters, mm-hmm. yeah. which had an extra character in it. 
and was basically the same, but it, it had different events happen, it had different conversations, relationships, all that sort of thing. And I basically got to the point where it was the day before we were going to go into rehearsals and I sent Brian both of them. Okay. Yeah, and this I was the said, one time I actually did anything. <laughs> and I was like, which one of these should I run with? And Brian said, you should go with BBs. Yeah. They're both good, but you should go with BBs. And it is funny that this one also had a incredibly similar pilot that was made and released. Mm but ended up running with an entirely different pilot. Oh, so we will continue to find parallels as we go through this exciting adventure together. Yes, and where better to begin that adventure? The first chapter of Over the Garden Wall, the old gristmill. Yeah, we've got this little honky-tonk piano playing. You can... You not only hear, of course, the out-of-tune strings, you can hear the, like, creaking of the hinge on the foot pedal. Like, you feel the piano in the room, um, and you see these little images, these strange little images of thread being cut, of various characters who we will eventually meet, of a fish that's going fishing. This is setting up something that does not feel dangerous at the start and certainly doesn't feel like an attempt at horror, even though that is how... Pat McHale describes this piece is like he's trying to make like a horror series. Hey there, you are listening to a preview of a premium episode of The Worst of All Possible Worlds. If you'd like to listen to the rest of this, head on over to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash worst of all. And you can listen to not only the rest of this episode, but our entire backlog of premium episodes, bonus episodes. And if you subscribe at the $10 tier, you will get an extra episode of the podcast every single month. Again, that is patreon.com slash worst of all. Hope to see you there. 